We are The Table and we are so glad that you have taken time out of your week to join us. Here at The Table, it is our hope to move you forward in life and faith over the course of this message. At The Table, we do things just a bit differently. We pose questions in real time and we wanna give you some time to wrestle with those questions as well. Again, thanks for joining us and we hope that this message moves you forward. Not make me your Jesus quota. It's not how it works. It is our goal to push ourselves to get closer and closer. Amen. Amen. So let's get this party started. Because this is the party room. If you didn't catch it when it came in, right above it, it says the party room because we like Jesus. We celebrate Jesus. We party for Jesus. Hello. Thank you. Thank you, Nikki. Don't leave me out there hanging. All by myself. Okay, let's jump right in this morning. For the sake of time, I got some things that the Lord has put on my heart that I'd like to share with you. Is that okay? Let's do it. Let's do it. We're going to be continuing. This is part two of our Generations series. We started it on Mother's Day. That's kind of odd to start talking about one thing and then like a whole month later finish talking about it. Well, I think that the Lord had me do that that way because... We need some time in between to think about it and process. There's some things that I told you on Mother's Day. Uh, one of our key scriptures was coming from 2 Timothy, the first chapter, the 14th verse. And Paul shares with Timothy, um, he shares with him that Timothy was going to be this future spiritual leader and that Timothy should not be afraid because he had gotten... What, what Paul calls good deposits from his mother and his grandmother. In other words, he said, don't worry about it. You are fine. You will be equipped. You trust God and the things that God has already poured into you by way of your mother and your grandmother. So I want to encourage somebody in this room today that's worried about how they're going to make ends meet or how they're going to make sense out of their current situation. I'm going to tell you like Paul told Timothy. God put people in your life that have been pouring into you and have equipped you to handle your current situation. Because he's already handled it. And if you were just, I know, I know you grown. I know you couldn't wait till you was 18 so you can be grown. Okay, just me. I can't wait till I'm 18 and I'm on my own. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to go where I want to go. I just didn't think about who was going to finance it. But be encouraged today because Paul was telling Timothy, look, there are some things that you have inside of you because of the women in your life that trusted God and they poured into you. And he called those things good deposits. And a key point that I wanted to make then that I want to remind you of now is that you can only withdraw what is deposited. We have to understand why it's important to have good deposits. We have to understand what it is that's there because how can you take something out? That has not been put in. Do me a favor. Reach in your pocket and pull out a $100 bill. I'll wait. If you did not put it in there, you cannot take it out. See, this is what Paul is telling Timothy about 
his direction and about what his grandparents and his mom, his grandmother specifically and his mother specifically had done. And I gave you three examples of the types of deposits that the moms and the grandmas had poured in to Timothy. The first one was reading the Bible. We talked about how that increases the volume of God's voice. Many of us say we can't hear from God. Well, it was Timothy's mother and his grandmother that helped him realize, and I want to help you understand that if you haven't heard God's voice or you're not sure if you hear God's voice or you, you don't know if you hear his voice over all the other noise in your life, that reading the Bible will increase God's volume. We talked about an example of a deposit being studying the Bible. So you can read it to get through it, or you can study it so it gets through to you. Studying the Bible is what increases the clarity of God's voice. I laugh all the time um, at my mom and my grandma. They, they're in Ohio, so they won't see this until much later. So I'm going to get away with saying it now. But it cracks me up because my grandma, she turns the TV up real, real loud. And it's, I don't know what's wrong with her, her cable or streaming or whatever, but every time a commercial comes on, it gets even louder. So it's kind of like this running joke that when we're at Granny's house, why do the TV got to be so loud? And then she only wants to talk during the commercials. <laughs> My mom, on the other hand, she gets on the telephone and she screams at you. And because she didn't hear something, she talks louder to you. What? So that's another running joke. But there's a such thing as being able to hear it, but it not be clear. Amen? So then our third point that I wanted to remind you of is, on Mother's Day, we talked about the other depositors to commit to prayer. Committing to prayer is how you initiate the conversation with God. So today... I want to talk to the man of God and encourage you to invest in your future. And yourself is the short term and your family is the long term. But invest and trust God with your legacy. You know, there's only a couple things that last forever. Our eternal soul and our legacy. Because after you die, I don't mean to be morbid, but... All of us have an expiration date. You didn't know that? I thought I heard somebody say, <gasps> the word of God tells us that we don't know the time nor the hour, so I'm not going to put that on you. I'm just simply saying there will be a day where you will no longer be on this side of the soil. The question is, what then do you leave behind? The question is, what happens to your legacy. So today I'm going to be talking about trusting God with your legacy. And I'm going to talk to you from the perspective of men. I want to pour into the men and the young men today. Because the word of God, even in the beginning, in the book of Genesis, there is a mandate by God that gives man males an assignment. What is a mandate? A mandate is an official order or a commission to do something. So here we are in the beginning, at the point of creation, God gives males an assignment, a commission to do something. And I'm going to summarize it for you here. That commission was to be fruitful 
and multiply, fill the earth, govern it, reign over everything that has life. I'm going to say that again. The mandate by God was to be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth with people. Govern it and reign over everything that has life. Man, that's a tall assignment. That's a tall order. Some of y'all can't go to the grocery store and get the grocery list right. Well, wait a minute. I guess that's me. Because look, my wife, she wrote small tomatoes. Cherry tomatoes are small tomatoes, okay? So, so, so I, it, technically, I was not wrong when I went to the grocery. <laughs> to reign over <laughs> is to have absolute control or dominion over a thing. See, God is the ultimate authority, but he trusted men, males, enough to delegate some of his authority. He trusted men, males, enough to delegate leadership, including both what he created himself and then what man would ultimately create. Man, this is a tall assignment. This is a tall order. See, this mandate gives both responsibility and accountability, and there's a difference. Responsibility says, this is yours to do something with. Accountability says, there's an expectation of what you do with it. Did you catch that? Responsibility says, here, this is yours to do something with. The accountability says, you take this and put it in a refrigerator not pour it on your sister. Are you following me? The mandate gives us that direction. Here you are, man, young man, future husband, future father, future father figure, male example of what a man of God is supposed to be. See, there are things that the Bible records are the responsibilities and the accountabilities of man. There's a study that shows that children with involved fathers, stepfathers, and father figures are less likely to get in trouble with the law. They tend to do better in school, and they're more likely to hold a job. These are statistics that come from a study that was done in 2017 for USA Today. But it says that those young people who have a male figure, notice I said father, stepfather, or father figure, finds themselves in a better position to learn how to be responsible and accountable. But I want to challenge this thought because it's not just any old man. Because if you want to be just any old man, today is the day where I give you some tools to help you understand the difference between a man and a godly man. Because that's what I want to talk about today. This is the legacy I want to talk about, is understanding 
that it's not just about being the man. I remember when I was younger, that would be a thing that we would say, like, you the man. And that just kind of meant that, you know, you had it together. You, you were the man. But see, then it had to be something. The Bible tells us that when I was a child, I thought like a child. I used to want to be the man. But then it's that switch where I just wanted to learn how to be a man of God. And I can tell you, I don't really know which one is, is, is harder or easier. Because being a man of God can be very difficult when you are learning how to do that on the fly and you haven't had good deposits early on. I'm trying to talk to somebody today. If I don't do anything but talk to myself, my dad was not one that took us to church. Matter of fact, my dad, I never saw my dad step into a church unless it was a funeral or the first, when I became a preacher. Other than that, my dad wasn't going to nobody's church. It was hot. The preacher talked too much for too long. And he didn't know none of the songs. So he wasn't trying to be bothered. My grandfather went to church. I love him. But I can't say what we learned in church I saw as example of it in living. So some of you may be first, second, third, fourth generations of, 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 of pastors, kids, and church going, but that just wasn't my story. So as you learn all along, sometimes it's easier to be the kind of man that's defined by other things and not God. Sometimes that's easier. Sometimes it's easier for the world to question you as a man. And you identify more with a questionable man because you haven't had godly men to show you the way. Oh, but how many of you know there's hope in Jesus? Amen. There's hope in Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 4, it reads this, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way that you treat them, but rather bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from who? The Lord. See, I realize what's important to you. You want to be important to them. Any, anybody in this room, male or female, can say, admit that one of the biggest contentions that you've had with your parents or family is that they want you to be something that you don't want to be. See, sometimes we want our offspring, we want our, our, our sons and our daughters we want the things that are important to us to be important to them. We want those things, we want to be carbon copies. My boys play sports and it, 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 it blows my mind the way that some of these parents act in these sporting settings. Blows my mind. It blows my mind because I can't quite seem to understand why in the world they are so hard on the kids? Because they're vicariously living through them and they're trying to hold them to a standard because they want them, we, we, we think that sometimes our toughness on our kids 
to make them be emotionally tough or make them be spiritually or physically or mentally tough. The more that we make them, do you understand that it creates frustration, it creates anger, and it creates resistance. The Bible warns us against that, and as men, sometimes we have those tendencies. Tough love is what it is. And if we really break that down, one of the reasons that we do that is that we just want to protect them. We just want them to not be hurt the way we were hurt, to not be bullied the way we were bullied, to not be laughed at or to be taken seriously so that they won't experience the same things that we experience. So we go around it and we go around it in a way that at any cost we will teach them how we know to teach them. So I want you to do me a favor, if you would. Everybody just do me a favor. Stand up. Just stand up. I want to make sure everybody awake. All right. Shake out your arms like this. Everybody shake your arms out. All right. Now fold your arms across your chest like this. And just look around the room. Just look around. Look around. Yeah. Now look back and look down at your arms. Take note to which arm is on top, the placement of your hands. Everybody got it? You got a good picture of that? All right, now put your arms down, wheel them out. Now this time, I want you to do the same thing, but opposite. Y'all look crazy. Go ahead, sit down. See, I wanted you to cross your arms in this way because this speaks to the facts that we have defaults. In other words, when you first did it, you didn't have to think about it. It just came normal. You put them up, boom. However it happened, left over right, right over left, left, whatever it was, you just did it. It felt comfortable. There was no stress. There was no talking. There was no complaining. There was nothing. There was nothing that challenged what your default was. But the second I challenged you to do it differently, you're confused, you're frustrated. Mark, I love you, but he just quit and put his hands like this. I heard somebody over here say, I, I can't do this. I heard somebody over here say, man, just forget it. I heard somebody over here just keep on trying to move it. <laughs> My point in showing you that is because this is how we teach. This is how we deposit. This is the way that we lead. And sometimes when we are supposed to lead in a godly fashion, we only know how to do it the way that we default. But what if your default is dysfunction? What if your default is heartbreak? What if your default is quit? What if your default is toxic? It's going to take work and discomfort. So the Bible, the Bible reminds us that, wait a second, when you try to teach people to do something, when you lead the next generation, when you parent your children, men of God, when you try to lead your family, there are going to be some things that don't come natural, that don't come easy, that are not comfortable, but how many know that there is hope in Jesus? See, to understand accountability 
And not just responsibility, we got to look at that second part of Ephesians 6, where it says, don't just, you can't anger your kids because that's what it is. It amounts to frustration as they're trying to do what you say and not what you do. Oh, man. The second part says, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from where? The Lord. So, beloved, can I ask you a question? How can you lead and give the disciplines and the instructions that come from the Lord if you don't know what the Lord's disciplines and instructions are? How can you do it? You can't do it. See, you have to know that your legacy is secure if you leave it to the Lord. The only thing that endures forever is him. Everything else is temporary. Everything. Everything else is temporary. Your bank account, guess what it is? Temporary. And not because you bounce checks. That's not what I mean. It's temporary because when you're gone, there's nothing you can do about it. So, yeah, those things are important, but are we going to just teach about investing? Are we just going to teach about uh, savings? Are we just going to teach about things that don't last forever and are temporary anyway? See, fathers, men of God, young men of God, the mandate gave us our marching orders, but they can only be carried out without worrying if you trust God with your legacy. Psalms 119 and 90 is a firm reminder that God's faithfulness extends to every generation. The song that we sung today is a reminder from Psalms 119 and 90. Generation after generation after generation. The Lord can and will be faithful. And I want to encourage you today, if you sit in the sound of my voice, yes, this is Father's Day, and I praise God for the fathers that are in this room. But there are many people that, Father, days like now, Mother's Day, Father's Day, holidays can be a little bit rough. Maybe your, your father is not living anymore. Maybe you had a bad experience with your father. Maybe... Your biological father wasn't around. Maybe there's some trauma associated with that. I said it once. I said it twice. I'll say it again. But there's hope in Jesus. And if you survived whatever that circumstance is, or if you feel like you can't survive, you need to lean into the hope that is Jesus. Maybe the father that you knew, you learned something new about him. Maybe you've searched forever trying to find yourself in your parents and you just can't see it. There's hope in Jesus. See, today is Baptism Sunday. And this is a celebration for us. One, because, duh, this is the party room. And we like to party. But the reason that I love that, and we say that jokingly, but we mean it. The reason that I love the party room is because the word of God says that the angels in heaven rejoice. They rejoice when one gives their life to Christ. 
So that's why we celebrate it, because if the angels can have a party up there, then I'm sure going to have a party down here. Because that means there is one more working to bring God glory and who is moving forward in their relationship with Christ and who is going to be an example to their generation, to their families, to their daughters, to their sons. See, once you have this knowledge that giving your life to Christ, following Jesus, living in the hope that is Jesus, once you do that, this knowledge can free you from the worry and encourage you to trust God completely in your faith and in the faith of your children. So my question to you is, will you leave a legacy of faith? That's the question. Grandfathers, fathers, sons, nephews, cousins, etc., family. Are you leaving a legacy of faith? Who are you showing your faith to? Who are you an example to? See, the fact of the matter is this. Is you're teaching something whether you intend to teach it or not. You're leaving a legacy whether you intend to or not. So you're either going to leave a legacy that is faith-based and rooted in Christ or not. That's going to happen one way or the other. So today we celebrate the fact that Miss Jess, where are you? Come on. Give Jess a hand. Now, Jess, she might not even know her, but she's one of my favorites. I'll take that she's one of my favorites because she's, yeah, yeah, go right on here. She's one of my favorites because she's so quiet and she's so humble and she cracked me up the, when we first started getting to know each other. I kind of do this thing when we're, worshiping and when we praising and I'll go around and I'll shake people's hands and I'll give them a high five and but I'm naturally I'm a hugger I like to hug people right so one day she came by and I saw her and I said hey Jess and I went to give her a high five and with tears in her eyes she said is it okay if I hug you and I just thought that was the funniest thing because what I saw Jess in you on that day was that God was doing something in you and in your marriage that is taking you and Delano to new heights. And you both have something so, like you're scratching the spike, the surface. But when you say yes to God, when you just allow yourself to say yes, he will prepare you and he will equip you to do all the things that you're trying to do and that you want to do for your family. He will equip you. You might not know every step, 
But on that day, you showed me that you were trusting God. So I want to give you guys an instruction because we like to party here. Everybody, did y'all get streamers? Now, this is going to be different than maybe what you're used to. Because the way that we celebrate is with streamers. And so when we go into here, Jess and I are going to have a brief conversation. And we're going to put her down in this water. It symbolizes that she knows that Jesus Christ died for her sins, has forgiven her, and she is well on her way to a glorious day in Jesus Christ. So when I put her in, when I take her out, everybody throw your streamers as high as you can in the air because we're going to celebrate and we're going to have a big old party and the band is going to just go crazy and we are going to celebrate what the Lord did. So if you don't mind, stand up. Get ready. Get you some space. Tell the person next to you. I got a good arm. You better give me some room. You better give me some room. Give me some space. I got a good arm. If this message challenged you and moved you forward, personally or in faith, we encourage you to share it with someone who needs a message of hope today. And if you're interested or looking for ways to partner with us in our mission here at the table, head on over to thetablejoliet.org for more information.